We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What if Santa didn't need eight reindeer to guide him through the night? Hey, Mercedes, map me to Kalamazoo. Okay, mapping the fastest route to Michigan. Or what if his sleigh could get real-time weather info? Hey, Mercedes, what's the temperature on the 25th? 22 degrees. Rooftops may be icy. Mercedes-Benz MBUX technology hasn't made it to flying sleighs, but it's available to you on the A-Class, the GLE, or GLC. And you can get them all for an exceptional price during the Mercedes-Benz winter event. MBUX commands simulated. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz summer event, now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, unmissable opinions brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. Thanks again for tuning in. Tap in your app and check the show notes to subscribe. You can find us on social media as well. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at Hilton D13 for me. Also, there's most importantly a closed Facebook group. Just type in tbpod.link backslash group and that'll take you to our closed Facebook group. You can get a part of that community. And if you think that Frances and I are long-winded, wait till you get into the Facebook group. Plenty of good discussion there. Of course, I'm Dan Hilton. He's Frances. Tomas will be joined later by Deanna Christine for La Ronda. But Frances, today, all we're talking about is the Youth Academy. Absolutely. I think Barca, in essence, is the best club in the world. Otherwise, you know, you wouldn't be listening to, to this podcast if you believe anything different. And a key section of that, at the heart of everything we do, needs to be La Masia, and it has been for many years. So today we're going to break that down. Obviously, Barca B got relegated very recently, which is disappointing. But actually, you know, we're going to try and break down whether there's a little bit of positive we can take out of that, although obviously it's terrible news. The Barcelona Podcast 89 starts right here. And that's La Gran Pagunta today. What's next for Barca B and La Masia? And as you said, Barca B was relegated in 20th place from the Segunda Division in front of Sevilla, Atletico, and Lorca FC behind them. And the guy who took over, manager Garcia Pimienta, was promoted from Juvenil A to replace Gerard Lopez, who was let go on April the 25th. He was the manager since July of 2015, that being Lopez, after the team had been relegated the first time, or 
many, many times over the years, but to the Segunda Division Bay, he worked his way back up through the team and brought them back last season where they spent one season at that second level. And the direction we're talking about when we talk about both Barca B and the academy, it seemingly are going to be working hand in hand. And you've seen a lot of distrust of this board, Frances, of the new direction of the B team and whether or not that's just a lot of, you know, talking and it's just a lot of, you know, there's this unfortunate thing that happened as far as the B team getting relegated. So now you're hearing about lip service is the word I'm looking for. And I think the new direction of the B team and subsequently the lower levels is hopefully, you know, you look at the profile of Pimiento and the kind of guy that he is and what he could mean to Barca's academy. And I think that's the thing that kind of fills you with the most hope because unlike Gerard, whose first club managing position was with Barca B after sporadically managing the Catalonian national team since 2013, Pimiana started as an assistant with the Cadet squad while he was still a player in the assistant coach. It then took a three-year leave of absence, but returned to help coach in the USETA from 2006 to 2015, so it's now a 10-year block right there when he was named Gerard's assistant with Barca B. Then in October of 2017, at the beginning of this season, he replaced Gabri at Juvenil A, and obviously we all know that he would go on to win this year's UEFA League title over Chelsea in the final. So for me, Frances, I know that you follow Pimienta, and obviously I don't do so well reading a lot of the tweets and things in Catalan, but you can kind of say that it's a testament to his character that he might be the real injection of talent and hope, even more so, I guess, than a lot of the players. Absolutely. I think, you know, I think we need to rewind back a little bit. I mean, when Gerard Lopez was given the the post in charge of Barca B, Garcia Pimienta was actually, at the time even, a better option. Um, I think, obviously, Gerard, don't forget that as a player, he was, he came through the Barca Academy, obviously, but he ended up going to Valencia and he was signed back. I think it was as part of the Luis Figo money that came back, actually, as soon as Luis Figo left us. Um, Juan Gaspar, the president at the time, spent all, all that money bringing Overmans, Petit, and I think Gerard was part of that pack as well. Um, he was a much more high-profile player at the time, and obviously he's a bigger name now because of the fact that he played at the highest professional level for a more continued period of time than Garcia Pimienta ever did. But, you know, based on what you said, Garcia Pimienta had much more experience in the youth academy, and, you know, when you're coaching in La Masia, it's all about the system. It's all about the mechanisms. It's all about knowing where the players need to be and what they need to do. But, you know, Gerard does have that knowledge. But actually, Garcia Pimienta had something that Gerard didn't have, which is he knew these players inside out from the moment they walked to La Masia Academy. Um, the communication that has happened between the, the coaches throughout the years, that is a crucial element that Gerard just didn't have, you know. And I think we can blame Gerard all we want for not succeeding with the B team, although you can argue he actually got them promoted, but I think it would be a little bit unfair. I mean, what the board tried to do is put Garcia Pimienta as a second, trying to give that knowledge to Gerard, but actually Garcia Pimienta is good enough as a coach and as a leader to actually be the one driving solo at the forefront of the team. And, you know, I think it's too little too late to get Garcia Pimienta with, what, four or five matches to go trying to save the team at the last minute. It just didn't work out and it, it was obvious that he wasn't going to. I think we need to go back and look at the transfer policy that the first team has been following with players like Dennis and players like, I don't know, Andre Gomez and, and Dinier and players of this sort that actually are not allowing the La Masia products to grow into the first team. And it's all a bit of a shambles. And, you know, Gerard got the wrong end of the stick in here, but actually it would be unfair to just blame him for all the failures of something that the board 
had been brewing for a while. So I think the blame has to be shared. But if I had to put my finger on it, it has to be the board because they wouldn't allow the natural La Masia way to actually flourish at the B team level. And this is actually addressed the thing, very thing you're talking about uh, by Pep Segura, the general manager of footballing at Barcelona. And it was explained in, in Guillaume Balaguer's wonderful documentary that you and I had both watched even this week about La Matia, the Barca way, that other teams are coaxing players away. That's kind of the thing, not to say that Segura used an excuse, but that's the main thing he said, that players are getting coaxed away even in the academy and poached from the academy. And the transfer ban wound up being... Again, not an excuse, but that's something that behind closed doors they keep saying really did hurt Barcelona. And you look at just the list of players who have left from the academy recently or even will be leaving. Alex Garnaldo went to Benfica, possibly due to a fallout with Luis Enrique. Sergio Gomez, we talked about him on the show, went to Borussia Dortmund. Jordi Mbula to Monaco. Eric Garcia, who was our highest rated center back, went to Man City. And reportedly highly rated cadet A player, Pablo Moreno, is going to be moving to Juventus next season. And then you also have players talking about that ban, like Takafusa Kubo, the highest rated young player in Japan, who's currently now back playing in Japan with the, with the Tokyo team. He had his time cut short at the club. I mean, he's already on the radar of the first team, and he's still not even, he wouldn't even be able to drive in the U.S., let's put it that way. And that's all due to the transfer ban in the case of Kubo. They need to be able to retain even younger talent like Robert Navarro, who's way down then in the system, as well as Xavi Simones, both playing with the cadet teams. Because Barcelona don't want to do what some other major clubs like Real Madrid are doing and trapping these youngsters with these outrageous buyout clauses and release clauses, should I say. For example, Real Madrid, 19-year-old Moroccan right-back Hakref Hakimi, he has a contract expiring this summer, and he had to wait to get more playing time, even though he made a few appearances with the first team. But he's waiting for it to expire because of the huge release clauses on those youth contracts. And so to me, Frances, it seems that the hardest thing moving forward and the biggest idea that the Academy and Barca B have to recognize is that development and retention are much more important, I think, now than even results where because they've been relegated if they stay in that third division for even a few years now as long as they're retaining their top talent developing them and that's where you're right that bridge of the first team is a difficult thing but if they're able to keep and hold on to their most talented players you know even looking in Germany there are sides like Bayern Munich 2 and Borussia Dortmund 2 where players don't jump from those we'll call them B teams in Germany, they jump from the U19 squad right up to the first team, a lot of the time as teenagers. And so some good news this week is that both Ricky Pooch and Manchu should be remaining with the club for a few more seasons. And that's a good thing with these two, but they aren't the only talented ones. And you look at the reshaping now of Barca B's core, it's going to be completely gutted. You have starters David Costas, Christian Rivera, Mateus Neul, and Vitinho. They'll all be returning to their parent clubs after the loans with a few other players. Carlos Alenia should be with the first team and players like Jose Arnaiz and Oriel Busquets will hopefully from recover from their injuries and probably float between the two teams or in Arnaiz's case, potentially head out on loan to be sold because he's already 23 years old. And then the rest of the core of that juvenile A team, and I'll go through the total list of players in, in a few minutes, but I, I just want to give you a chance to respond first that, you know, Barca's, whether it was the ban or whether it was, again, other teams coming into poach because they're they're promising more first team minutes. I think there's a lot of different factors. It's not so simple as one thing led to 
this exodus of talent from the youth academy, but I think you just now have to hold on and develop the players they have. For sure. I think there are several factors we can discuss. Um, for me, the most important one is that Barca B, throughout the last, I would say, two, three years, particularly the last two years, have sort of forgotten what they're for. I mean, Barca B is a team that should be used and should, has always functioned as a bridge between the La Masia Academy, sort of giving them a start in professional football and then jumping towards the first team. Of course, not every player going through the academy is going to make it a professional level. Otherwise, the first team will have 97 different features, um, which are licenses for players. So that obviously cannot happen. But every year you should have at least one or two players coming through the academy, trying to fill those voids that, you know, those little bit of playing time that could be given, say, in Copa del Rey. And if they are showing their worth, progressively they can become starters a la Sergi Roberto. You know, we don't expect Iniesta or Messi to come through the, the academy every year, but absolutely players like Sergi Roberto or Rafinha. You know, Rafinha hasn't really worked out in the end, but players of that caliber coming through is what you'd really expect. And that's what Barca B is for. Um, over the last two years, Barca B have signed 34 different players. You've got McWayne, Nahuel, Ongla, Rivera, Balú, Arnaiz, Lozano, Galarreta, Vitinho, Konic, Costas, Araujo, Moja, and the list goes on and on and on. 34 different players. I mean, some of them have been quite surreal. For example, Konic didn't even play before rescinding his contract. Then Trapaga and Moja were loaned out just days after getting to us. Then you've got Gonzalez and Basay who didn't even play because they didn't meet the fitness standards. I mean, this is all ridiculous. When you've got so many players playing for so many years in the youth academy, you really have to stick with what you're trying to do. And it is crucial that you give these players a chance to succeed at first team level or at least BT level so that they can eventually reach the first team. Um, for me, that is the one thing that has to change. And, you know, we're all sad that Barca B got relegated, but if the exchange for staying in Segunda A is that Ala Masia players don't get a sniff, then I would rather be in Segunda División B and getting our own homegrown players giving our homegrown players the time they deserve in order to grow and hopefully join the first team. Yeah, and again, that's what, going back to the lip service that the board now seems to be putting forth as the message for next season, that, you know, they're saying that the core of Barca B next year will be made much of the Juvenil A squad alongside some of last year's holdovers. And so, you know, you even sprinkled in some of those names. There are academy products like Mark Cucurea, Sergi Palencia, Rodrigo Tarin, Adrian Ortola. Danny Morer, Ferran, Carlos Perez, and Mark Cardona that will take a long look at their own situations, and it's hard to tell where any of that list of players will wind up after the transfer window. And that said, I think the core of next year's Barca B team is going to include with players who got some minutes for the B team this year, including Abra Ruiz, Juan Miranda, Jorge Cuenca, Marcus McGuane, Balu Tabla, and Alejandra Marquez to be joined by Juvenil A players like Manchu and Pooch. And that's Ricky Pooch, not Puig like it, a U.S. or American or English-speaking person would want to say. It's, it's Ricky Pooch, who we've already discussed, alongside Jandro Alascoyada, Guillem Juame, and Matu Mori at right back, Chumi and Oscar Magueta at center back, and Anaki Pena is already basically the anointed starting goalkeeper for next year. And I would even expect guys like Conrad De La Fuente, an American forward born in Barcelona, who could also make the jump from the Juvenil Bay team. And so there's just a list of guys. There, there really is, you know, I don't know how high their ceilings are, but there is a list of highly touted young players that other clubs around the world are looking at that 
hopefully Barcelona can retain over the course of this window. And then again, when it comes down to the Copa del Rey, you know, you'd hope that at least seven or eight of those guys can get the start. And we'll see what happens to the Barcelona first team bench. But again, there is talent there. And if they're able to hold on to these youngsters and develop them properly, there's a lot of promising things out there. And you just take one of these players and just Google or go on YouTube and look at some highlights of them. And you're not going to see the things they have to learn because those don't show up in the highlights. But some of the promising things that they do have, they do play the tiki-taka. A lot of these young guys, they have those the moves, they have the, the awareness on trying to pick out balls and pass, 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 move, 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 be in the right spots. And so there's a lot of promise there. And, you know, Frances... I don't know, as we're kind of trying to wrap this discussion up, I'd like to get on the hope train, but again, I'm so tentative of putting the faith in the board that this isn't just lip service. No, it absolutely is, and I don't really have much more to add to what you said, because obviously, you've, as always, you've done your homework, I've been very comprehensive and talked about the players. And the last point I want to make is just, I want our listeners to understand that Segunda A is very competitive, but Segunda B is very competitive as well. You know, you've got teams in there that are historical, such as Badalona and Sabadell and Hercules, for example. Um, teams that have been in Primera División, they're actually in Segunda B now. Um, you've got Filiales, which are uh, reserve teams for Mallorca, for example, this year. Villarreal B was there as well this year. You've got Lleida, the first team. I mean, they were in the first division in the early 90s. Um, you've got Yagostera, who've been fantastic this season. Cornellá, very rich team in the, well rich, rich in terms of resources and, and, and talent, particularly through the ranks. And, and it's a team to be to be reckoned with. You know, I think eventually they'll be in Segunda A, Cornellà will, I'm fairly, fairly certain. Badalona as well, huge investment. So if Barca are going into that division, I think we need to be under no delusion to think that Barca are going to walk it. They will not walk it. It is a very competitive um, division with lots of players that have, have been professionals before and they're now in the you know late 20s early 30s and for whatever reason they maybe got injured at some stage in their careers um, but a lot of players in that division they played for Barca and Espanol youth academies before and there's a lot of experience so what I'm trying to say is that the Barca B philosophy in terms of getting the campeones from the under-19s championship I think that should be the core of the team Obviously, some of the Barca B players from this season should stay, but there has to be a major cleanup. I mean, 34 signings in the last two years really set my alarm bells ringing. And there has to be someone at the forefront, um, a leader that can actually sort of separate the players that have got the best potential from those that will not succeed at Barcelona. And I think García Pimienta is the right person to do that. Obviously, in conjunction with all the youth system coaches that come before him, as long as there's an agreement as to which player should stay and go, I think that is the right way forward. And then, you know, if we don't get promoted to Segunda A, so be it. You know, the most important thing is that players get the nurture, the playing time, the guidance in order to jump to the first team eventually. And if we can achieve, say, one or two players beyond, obviously, Alanya, because he's coming to the first team already. But if we can achieve for one or two players from the B team to make the jump throughout next season then that will be a step forward, which, to be honest, we haven't had this year. So that, for me, needs to be the target. No more about winning titles at youth level, which, you know, they are welcome and we don't want our kids to be losing. But the important point and importance needs to be played on promoting to the first team. That is where the value is. Yeah, so that'll wrap up our discussion about the B team and the Youth Academy because we've got a lot of first team questions to answer. And we're going to do that in La Ronda with Deanna Christine. Deanna joins us now. Deanna, how are you doing? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Well, we're pretty good. We just talked about 
of course, the Youth Academy. And so now La Ronda is going to be focused with our questions. I've, of course, I've seen them in advance a little bit more about the first team. So we're going to start with questions from Sean, Matus, and Nikolai that basically ask about the players that would be transferred out of the club. So we'll ask it in the form of Sean's question. A sale a Palooza episode would be great. We might do that a little later. But for now, with this question, how should Valverde's trimming down of the squad be managed? And, you know, I don't know if you have the list in front of you, but of course it's Paco Alcacer, Vidal, Gomes, Rafinha, Digne, maybe even Silicon, Denise Suarez, Ascent, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I've been saying all season, basically since last summer, that uh, a lot of the players that we currently have in the squad I mean, I wouldn't necessarily keep them. I have nothing against them. I can't say that I don't want to see them playing for the club. But if I was made to choose between keeping them and them and selling them, I would sell them. So on that list, I have like uh, I don't know, starting with Gomes, I guess, because I had hope last summer, but this time I just I can't see him working it out, and I'm really I feel bad about it because. There is some quality there, but it just hasn't clicked. And I, I'm start. I, I mean, I think now that it won't ever click here. And um, yeah, uh, those other players on that list. I mean, I would keep uh, if anyone out of those listed. I would keep Rafinha, I guess, because I think that he can be a good addition and, and he can bring something. But uh, at this point, I'm not sure if it wouldn't be better for him to just get a fresh start somewhere else and uh, be more central to the plans of a team. I mean, I was really happy for him and um, how he did at Inter and uh, maybe they, I mean, maybe they want to buy him. Maybe they want to exert that uh, buy clause that they had. I've got very little to add. I agree with everything Diana say and I mean, out of all the players mentioned, I think they all have to go. I mean, if I had to keep one, it would be Rafinha, but, you know, I would rather have the money from Inter Milan. And as Diana was sort of hinting in there, they did say that if they reach the Champions League next year, they will have to... That's what they told us anyway. They will have to buy him. I don't really quite know whether what they told us is true or not, because I haven't seen any news either way. So we're a little bit on limbo with that one. Um, I would probably keep, if necessary, and no other option is there, Dennis. But then again, if there's a good enough offer for him, I think anything around the 15 to 20 million euros offer, I would let him go because those minutes need to be for Alanya from the B team for sure. And, you know, Arthur, as I said in the previous podcast as well, I think that he should join us now. But Gremio seem to be saying that that's not possible at this moment in time. I think what they're trying to say is give us more money and he will be able to join you. But I think if anyone, it will be Dennis. But I think Alanya and Arthur should both be in front of him. Yeah, I got a hot take here that I think Andre Gomes, when you talk about potential clubs, instead of throwing out the same big club names, I think a place like Wolverhampton with their Portuguese base right now with all the different Portuguese players and manager, I think that would be a perfect place for him to re-inject some life into his career. And I mean, I, I just want the best for all these guys in terms of their careers where, you know, even a guy like Paco Alcacer who looked like, you know, one of the most promising strikers that Spain have had, He's really put his career on hold, and a guy who was on the outside of the national team now has not a single shot. And a lot of these guys have, you know, when you look at Digne, Alcacer, Gomes, guys who two years ago had a shot at making the World Cup, they're all going to be watching on their couches because they didn't make it. But I guess we'll keep it negative for one more question here. Maria asks, and 
Deanna, I didn't want to have to bring this up because obviously Francesca and I don't want to talk about it either. But Carlos Puyol made some comments about the Champions League final saying congratulations, Madridistas. Now this is obviously translated. Four champions in five years doing one of the best Barca teams in history. We have to reflect on the priorities. So what do you make of Puyol's comments? And again, he's always been the statesman, but what do you make of his comments? And I guess if you want to share a quick little thought about what you thought of the Champions League final as well. Yeah, uh, so this is obviously painful for me to talk about. But, I mean, Liverpool had a great run to the final and had a really good season and they evolved and uh, improved in certain aspects. So I'm perfectly happy with that. But uh, obviously losing the final is hurtful. But... Um, in terms of what Puyol was saying about uh, the priorities at Barca, I don't think it's a perp- it's a thing of priorities. I, I just th- think that the team hasn't played well enough. And in all of these seasons that we've gone out in the quarters, it hasn't been, I mean, in my opinion, it hasn't been because we've focused on different things or because we haven't paid enough attention to the Champions League. It has been because the team hasn't been good enough. And this season has been particularly disappointing from that point of view because both in the league and in the Champions League, you could say that it wasn't spectacular, but at least you had a purpose, you had something, you you were building towards something with small steps, with, you know, uh, a functional team and uh, stuff like that. But in the end, both the Champions League and the unbeaten league run came to the most spectacular failures. So you were building towards something. It wasn't, I mean, for me particularly, this season wasn't very exciting or I didn't have a lot of fun watching the team. So at least when I had a purpose, like, okay, so we're gonna, uh, we're not spectacular, but at at least we're gonna make it to the semifinals of the Champions League after two years of not being there. Or we're not spectacular, but at least look, we'll have this unbeaten round that will stand in history. But in the end, none of those things happened. And I don't think that it was because the team wasn't focused on those games. I just think that we had structural problems that in the end came and haunted us. So I don't think it's a question of priorities. I think that we need a better squad. I think that we need to play better football. Those two are obviously connected. And yeah, in the end you you can go for everything like i mean i think i saw a quote from guardiola today saying that uh, in his time at barca puyol himself taught him at this club there are no obvious priorities like we'll just put this to the side and not think about it we have to go for everything and there aren't even actually friendly games you have to prove yourself in every game so i I don't think it's a question of priorities and personally I wouldn't be you know over the moon if we had a season like Madrid had going out in the quarters of the of the Copa del Rey to a clearly inferior club and uh, basically giving up on the league in like November or December I mean that that for me isn't a great season sure they won the Champions League but does that compensate for everything well 
Yes, um, I've got friends and family members who are Madrid supporters and I, po I posed that precise question to my cousin and he said, yeah, but we won the Champions League. You know, we are the team that wins the most Champions League. We've got 13 of them. You are crashing out of the quarterfinals every time. And yes, it does justify it. I mean, that, that's Madridistas for you. And I think the way that they reacted, particularly with the Karius mistakes, um, which, you know, they were pretty obvious and they were at the wrong moment. Um, in front of the eyes of millions, but you know he's a human being, and I think he's been slaughtered as a result. And they were making, you know, the vast majority of Madridistas were making so much fun of him, being incredibly cruel. But you know, they they said in their eyes, yeah, we succeeded. That that's all that matters. But I do agree with with Diana a million percent. I mean, for for me, it's all about the conjunction of the season from beginning to end, and winning the doblete is very important. Of course, we would all love the Champions League to be in our backs, not Real Madrid, but, you know, I think the lack of preparation in terms of squad preparation I'm talking about, um, the fichajes, the signings from the previous two, three years, they haven't stepped up to the, to the play when they need it. Um, because of that, rotation has been really poor, but then again, the manager couldn't really rotate anymore because of lack of quality and linked to that as well, lack of trust. And I think it goes back to La Gran Pregunta that we were talking about. It's just, if you can trust La Masia players to who can add that little bit extra when trusted to be that second unit and excel in, say, the Copa del Rey, for example, making an appearance in La Liga whenever needed. They can even support in the Champions League as well, but then keeping your best preferred 11 for that, that would be a great choice. But, you know, it just hasn't happened, and we, as a club, we just need to be better. And one of the players who just seems to get better and better every year is Messi. And that's the question from Rick we have. Messi's recent comments about Barca being the sole European club he will play for is a blessing for us Kool-Aids. However, on the flip side, considering the timing of the comments being right after Iniesta's departure, it's a humble recognition of the inevitable end to Messi's Barca career is slowly approaching. So my question is, how many years do you think we will be able to see Messi play as a Barca player? And do you think the results of this World Cup may have an influence on Messi's decision on when to call it quits? I, I wouldn't think so. I think Messi will play for Barca as long as he wants to and can. I mean, uh, we've seen, um, and this is this is sad, but we've seen how important, e.g. not important, are these lifetime contracts that the board has been given. I mean, Iniesta signed a contract for life and then seven months later he's, he's in Japan. So, you know, they, they really don't serve for nothing. I think as long as Messi wants to play for us, we need to count ourselves lucky to witness the career of one of the best players, if not the best player in the history of the sport, playing for us. And, you know, I think the World Cup results, obviously, if he does win it, that will make him incredibly happy. But I think it won't necessarily have any impact whatsoever in his Barca career. I don't know. Diana, how do you see it? I don't see the World Cup as having anything to do with his Barca career. I mean, he has done... You know, I mean, 2014 was a bad year for him personally in terms of his form and injuries and how he went into that World Cup. I mean, comparing that to this, it's a world apart. But um, I don't think that the result of this World Cup will have anything to do with his time at Barca. And in terms of how many years, I don't know. I mean, he's turning 31 this summer, so... I don't want to say three because that seems like so little time, but that's basically where I'm at. Oh, wow. I was going longer than that. Um, I would have thought that given the fact that Messi's game has traditionally sort of been based on his speed, then you could say 33, 34. But actually, when you think about it, his passing skill, his vision is such a 
sort of key part of his game that actually I see him going longer than that. I mean, he, whether he wants to do an Iniesta and sort of leave when everyone wants him to stay, like Michael Jordan did, um, I don't really know. But hopefully it's more than three years. Dan, what's your thoughts on that? I have the feeling that it is going to be very similar to the Iniesta case where Messi is going to leave when he's lost just about a half a step and not a full step. I think he's going to leave when he, Barca fans are still going to believe that he has more to give, but that's when he'll step away. And not to say he's going to go out on top again. I think he's going to take a half a step back before he leaves, but I wouldn't expect him to be a complete shell of what he is, you know, and just continue to play into his old age. Um, but we do have a question actually regarding Iniesta's departure from Deb Deep. Should Arthur's move be prioritized for the summer window in light of Iniesta's departure? And we actually have a number of questions, whether it was from Brian and Israel. We had a lot of different transfer questions about Arthur's move being prioritized. Also, why is the club spending big on guys like Griezmann or Eriksson or Tharva asked? And a lot of th- has been said about Christian Eriksson of Tottenham about bolstering the midfield. So I guess the, the more thought-provoking question is how is it more logical to use untested b-team players disqualified from the segunda division than using the current subs who play for the first team so i know there's a lot in there but it has to do with you know trying to bring in major big transfers would you rather have that happen but then what do you do with the bench is it you know is it worthy to trust the b-teamers and then again arthur's a guy who should he prioritize to come over the summer and be one of those bench guys or one of the big transfers yeah, so from my point of view, if you want to bring in a player who has not played in Europe before and who has no experience at this level, you have to bring him in the summer because the winter means that basically you don't have him for th- for this upcoming season and then you have to get him used to things next summer. So for me, a winter transfer, especially from Brazil, and given the circumstances, would be mostly pointless. So yeah, I would definitely say we have to bring Arthur in the summer. Regarding those other transfers, I think that there is very little that we could see from the current bench players that we haven't seen already and that will ever be good enough. So, sure, give the B-team players a chance. I mean, it it can't exactly... I mean, the expectations are so low at this point. Like, basically, you know, like giving an assist. You know, when Dennis comes off the bench and he gives an assist and people go crazy because, oh, my God, he gave an assist and he's useful. So, this is the level we're at with the bench players. I mean, sure, the academy players may not be amazing or mind-blowing or... Beniestas and Chavis, but sure, give them a chance. I mean, couldn't hurt. Again, I cannot disagree with anything that Diana just said. I'm just going to add a little bit of a a little bit of a point in there. Then, so if we just take the Ter Stegen as a starter and the back line, we leave for another day. You look at the midfield line and the forward too, because you know it's going to be a four-four-two next season. Because obviously Valverde is staying. Um, Busquets will absolutely start. And given his performance this season, Rakitic, I think, absolutely will be a starter next season as well. Um, most probably on the right-hand side of Busquets. Then you've got two wings to, to fill. Obviously, Iniesta no longer with us. Um, I think Coutinho is going to get that spot. And then you've got the one on the right. And that could be a variation of different people. I mean, if I was the manager, I would put Semedo as a starter. I would promote Palencia as a backup. And I would put Sergio Roberto in that position so that they can... 
sort of go up and down that flank and whoever whoever it doesn't matter which one either Semedo or Roberto get to the byline that would be a possibility obviously you've got Dembele in the squad as well he could go there um, and then you know you've got Alanya that could come into that position as well although obviously Alanya could also play on the Iniesta spot so I think pretty much that's covered I think we need to trust the players that haven't really started this season which was arguably Coutinho and Dembele and then up front I know people are not very happy with um, Luis Suarez for whatever reason. I mean, the guy scores lots of goals and, you know, he's not as fast as he was in 2015. That's absolutely clear. But I think he's still a starter, striker and obviously Messi. So for me, that's going to be the picture. So I don't really see the point of signing anyone for 100, 150 million other than Griezmann. So he can upset everything that I just said. But beyond Griezmann coming, I don't really see anyone else that is necessary. I don't know. I mean... I agree with what you said about the structure of the team and stuff. And I don't know, I, I haven't seen enough of the B team because I really don't have time for anything. And um, I feel bad about that, but I couldn't say if Palencia is worth of promoting. So if you do that, then you have Sergio Roberto that, will co- that can play some midfield minutes, I guess. But the point is that I think that we need a certain structure and certain roles in midfield that we do not have right now. I I am still not 100% sold on the fact that Coutinho can play a Barca interior. So for me, the thing with the transfers, even though I hate talking about this stuff, and uh, everybody who talks to me about this gets my slightly annoyed face, but anyway, we'll move uh, past this. Uh, but I think that if we, if you buy Griezmann, then you have to play Coutinho as an interior. If you buy Ericsson, then you can play Coutinho as a, you know, like left-sided uh, midfielder or forward or whatever. So that gives you a different uh, option. So I, I honestly can't see us spending another, you know, like 200 million to bring both of them. So I think that it's going to be one of them. So, I don't know. I mean, for me, it just depends on how the team will play and how everybody will gel in and how we'll be able to move on and how everyone will evolve because from season to season, nothing stays the same. Well, Deanna, we're on the same page as you where we're now looking at staring down the barrel of about three months of transfer rumors and transfer questions and all that. So we would ask then all of our listeners, please, not only just with LeBron to give us different questions, but as well as let us know some of the topics that you want us to get into other than transfers, other than all the rumors and speculation. Because as Francesca and I have always said, unless the players sign, you know, you really don't want to put too much thought and waste all that time in trying to research and care about players that will never actually play for Barcelona. It's just a something in the rumor mill. So again, if you there are topics that you want us to get into and talk about, I mean, broader things about the club, we'd love to try to answer those. We really enjoyed La Gran Pagunta of La Masia today. And again, we're looking forward to having a fun summer of looking at the World Cup and talking about all those things with special guests like Deanna Christine, who we thank again for joining the show as we wrap up another edition of the Barcelona podcast. Thanks for listening. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon in Forza Barca. Thanks for having me again. Always a pleasure. Talk to you. Bye. Forza. This 
this season, all your favorites have one home for the holidays. Yours with Disney+. Plus. Merry Christmas! Moana, Woody, Buzz, Captain Marvel, Darth Vader, and Homer will all be there, so make room. Make Disney Plus your home for the holidays. Streaming Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Nat Geo, and 30 seasons of The Simpsons. That's something to celebrate. Merry Christmas to you! <laughs> All these and more now streaming. Go to DisneyPlus.com to sign up now. They call you the Grill Master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event. Now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.